Welcome to the High at Nine News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, there, yeah we there we go. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. It's, Thursday, it's Thursday, July, July 6th. 6th. Today is Today International is- Kissing Day. It's also National Fried Chicken Day. And, oh, yeah, my favorite, it's National Hand Roll Day. Oh, yeah, love me some hand rolls. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces. And if you are participating uh, want to participate in the show, you can also raise your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented in Twitter spaces if you choose to do so. But today we are going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamid joining me over here in one of the greatest places in the world. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's the dope dad himself. He got off of dad duty and be able to, was able to come and be live in the studio today. That's right. It's the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. Oh, look. Yeah. Oh. You got to give me the applause. Man. Hold on, bro. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> There you go, bro. There you go. No, I definitely appreciate that, Jason. It's good to be in the greatest place on earth, the greenest of all streets here on Porter. Today, my story is coming from Benzinga, and we have an update on ChatGPT. The question they're asking is, can it be the savior that the cannabis industry needs? So full disclosure, I actually work for an AI software company that helps retailers optimize supply chain management, but um, I will not be promoting my company or anything like that because I want to take a neutral stance on this one. So um, while the nerd in me saw working with uh, the company that I do as something I'd short-term be a cool thing to say I did at one point, but um, once I was able to see firsthand how machine learning could truly help the small to medium-sized operators in the cannabis industry, actually compete with billion-dollar-backed MSOs, change my personal views, and um, I think people should be looking deeper into it. So whether you've noticed it or not, we are right now in the middle of a massive shift in technological advancement that'll affect pretty much any and everything we do in the foreseeable future. Artificial intelligence or AI has the potential to do and change everything. Whether you're on the good or bad side of that change, it all depends on how quickly you and your team adapt. And um, in this Benzinga article, it really um, outlined the pros and the cons here pretty well. Uh, Much like the internet in the late 90s, understanding AI and how it can be used as a tool to enhance your your business's current processes is key to success there. In mainstream America and in cannabis, today's article takes a look at OpenAI's ChatGPT, how it stands out um, with the potential to become a transformative tool for cannabis. While ChatGPT's large language model does offer numerous benefits across the supply chain, mitigating risk is just as important. Some of the pros that the article points out for cannabis sector include streamlined operations, automating tasks like order processing, inventory management, scheduling. It's going to save time and increase efficiency, allowing humans to allocate resources to strategic activities rather than tactical. Um, On the HR side, employee onboarding, training, performance evaluations. ChatGPT utilizes natural language processing and machine learning to automate our HR tasks, generating responses, onboarding documents, and so on. Marketing insights. By analyzing vast amounts of data, ChatGPT empowers businesses with valuable market insights to provide a deep understanding of customer preferences, sales patterns, and emerging trends. 
And uh, with those insights, businesses can uh, cross-sell and upsell products more effectively than they do right now. However, with all nascent technologies, there are several downsides too. As the article points out, there's a crucial, uh, it is crucial to establish necessary monitoring and verification systems to avoid exposure to fake news, Jason, disinformation, hate speech, unscientific knowledge, and common myths that can be put into the model depending on how you use it. Technology is well on its way, but um, still has a long way to go before it becomes the job-stealing devil that major corporations and the politicians that they pay for claim that it'll be. I think it's no coincidence that major haters at AI revolution are billionaire owners and major corporations. It puts us on a, a level playing field with them. Uh, but I've seen it firsthand. I think more people should look into it. Um, adding AI processes to your overall supply chain needs. And I'm just interested to, to hearing from what the rest of the team thinks about this. Is AI something to be afraid of? Or is this something that you're going to hop on and be an early adapter and own the future? I'm Rico Lamid, Dopest Dad on the Street. Love to hear from you, Jason, as a retailer. What do you think? Man, I'm a I'm an AI fan. In all honesty, I mean, anything that helps us to streamline efficiencies and and be you know be able to um, give the customer more that that personal type of experience because there is more time to be on the sales floor as opposed to being having to be stuck doing uh, any other type of compliance work or digital right. work, paperwork, whatever. Um, I, I, I see as a win because anytime you can dedicate more time to being with the people in your customer base and the actual people that are coming in your store and spending money with you, it's always going to be a win. Agreed. I hate it. <laughs> you hate it. <laughs> of course. Not a fan. Of course. Of why course. Why well, wouldn't she for hate somebody it? Who, for somebody who writes for a living and now all of a sudden these people think they can put a few terms into the computer and pop out content. Mm -hmm. I mean, God almighty, have you seen some of the crap that's coming out of it? Well, um, plus, that puts me out of work, frankly, because uh, people think that they can survive on AI. I can guarantee you AI is not going to help with your compliance when it comes to social media and other things. You don't um, think so? I can guarantee you when it has an actual, it, it, it cannot figure out this stuff. I had some folks put together a, a brief list for me, right? Because I was trying to come up with some celebrities and influencers or whatever that we were doing with cannabis. Right. Mm -hmm. A shit, a six people on the list were dead. I was like, not helpful. It does not work. That just I'm not ready for it. I don't like it. I think it's fine if you want to take a giant document and make bullet points from it. Fine. I, I could have an intern do that crap. Uh, well, but for actual real content, uh, I think it's crap. I hate it, and I don't know why we are having our first story here sponsored it's by thanks. AI and ChatGPT. I mean, shit. I mean, well, Gretchen. Let me, let me give you the oh, go for side it. of that. I yeah. heard that also as a writer. People are like, this is going to take your job. But here's the thing, Gretchen. ChatGPT yes, will never have nuance and opinions the way that Facts. we do. And you said it I, best. You said intern. You use it like an intern, right? That read mm -hmm. notes version. She's underpaid Americans. Book and then turned in a book report. You still have to vet that, right? I hear you. However, and I love that you care about nuance and flair. The real world does not. And that has easily been demonstrated through broadcast journalism and folks who are, take any Joe Schmo with cell phone camera footage why is patreon thriving the, ha, hold on this talks about i mean you look at sports writers have gone the way of the, the dodo i mean so many writers have lost their jobs because of lack of ad money the news sucks nowadays because no one is paying money for new york times nuance and insight and experience i'm talking about local newspapers gone new york I mean, times where is all this stuff I'm not talking about the New York Times. Uh, I'm talking about general platforms. newspapers and what? People are paying. They were on the way out before ChatGPT yeah, yeah. came into the uh, I was saying, like, like paid, well, paid and platforms. Well, ChatGPT is going to kill it all. People mm -hmm. are paying see, for um, real content now. People are paying for content. If you want the real shit, you, you can me? pay for it. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know who's not going to be saying, okay in all this? Paralegals. Paralegals. Paralegals are going to be out of business. All right. Yeah. They're, they're, that 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 career path is going to be done. Yeah, on, on, the flip, on the flip side, you can see have a lot more people that are books? able to afford legal services because of uh, AI. You have a lot of people that are going to be able to afford the stuff that you, you just can't afford um, paying hundreds of dollars per hour for legal services, right? So did you see that recently what uh, 
I forget which tournament it is, but one of the major tennis tournaments coming up, they are getting rid of the announcers and they are doing it all by chat. Is that going to be Wimbledon? I remember if it was Wimbledon or not. I don't think it's Wimbledon. Is it going to be sponsored by the Saudis? Coming up. I will figure this out. It is not sponsored by the Saudis. It's, I'm sure They're it is. They're getting rid of all <laughs> announcers, and they're just letting computers commentate mm-hmm. and figuring that shit out. So, I, I would think say it's the biggest threat that AI poses is people's um, willingness to put it above human behaviors. I mean, right. I read an article where a whole church ceremony was led by AI. I saw that. I saw that shit. <laughs> and that's just crazy because... You actually have technology um, leaders, industries like in what is it, uh, the Apple company that yeah. are creating religion surrounding around AI technology. So that's the biggest threat that AI, I, I guess, um, poses. But as far as it being used as a tool, it's just like a calculator. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to do quicker processing of information or anything like that. That's really what happened to the entertainment industry as a whole. As a musician, I was there from the transition from radio to uh, streaming, you know, um, music sites. And a lot of artists were pissed about that because you could go on Napster, download their music for free, you know, and they lost revenue because of it. So it's just the evolution of technology that's really... um, taking effect on our day-to-day lives and i think that's what gretchen is really pointing out by saying you know if we give in to it wholly mm-hmm. we could lose all of what we uh i guess determined to be um you know content of quality but governor governor let me let me ask you let me ask you this would you rather take the sermon like if you are a spiritual person like, like no love lost to anybody who is or not but um, if you're a spiritual person, would you rather take the sermon from a simulation who knows exactly what you want to hear, knows exactly what you need to hear, or somebody who don't give a damn about you, who has been taking your money and pay and use that money to pay for their Bentley, to pay for their private jet, and is probably doing some unsavory things behind the scenes? Well, to me, both of them are just mouthpieces. They're telling me what I need to hear as a a person of spiritual faith looking for some sort of connection with you know Mm -hmm. fellowship right and so i think they're both both exploited in that sense um when we really should be talking about connectivity as as humans connecting with each other and seeing how we can help each other i don't think any greedy pastor is going to do that or some you know misguided technology I think that I think the same could be said about the cannabis industry. You're never going to take away that piece that wants fellowship in cannabis. You want to actually interact with people um, and the plant. You it's a communal plant. It brings us all together. You're not going to want to. I mean, unless you're already buying all your shit like um, uh, delivery by ease or something like that. You're going to want to interact with real people. You want to smell the plant. You want to touch it. So I don't really think that it's going to be replacing everything in cannabis. I think it's just going to be a tool that can be used to supercharge right. uh, whatever you're doing. I hope it's good for cannabis. I, I feel like I've gone. I've always been an early adapter, but I feel like I've gone full boomer on this one. I'm 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 lost. I'm lost with it. I don't. You know whether you're you're putting out Biggie and Tupac's new new greatest hit that you know from AI using that to to all the other stuff. Man, I'm lost on it. I hope I you know from the from the pros I could see that being a benefit, but I, I feel like I'm leaning more with Gretchen on this one, man. I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm an old man that's just like where I get off my lawn. I don't know. Adapt or die. Dude, Agree I'm with an old Gretchen lady too. beating the ceiling with my broom. I mean, this is just uh, nuts, and uh, it is Wimbledon, Jason. It is Wimbledon. Look at that! I'm a good guesser. Look at that, Gretchen. So if if AI takes over, I didn't take anything from the chat. And would you rather have uh, AI run and um, judge Wimbledon, or would you rather have the Saudis? Oh Jesus! Are you serious? You can't take the Saudis because the Saudis. I like the Saudis. They're 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 trying they're trying to sports watch. Saudis, uh, Saudis got money. Tennis now too, man. They took over golf. Yep. And now they're about to take over. They're about to take over all the white people. There's, there's all one the other, white people's sports. Well, y'all can let that happen. Oh there's one God. other big, big, big sport too I that they're taking over. <laughs> <laughs> what you going to say, How do you agree with Gretchen on this one? I I agree with Gretchen. I feel like 
AI is just like those self-checkouts at the grocery store. People are losing jobs. Nobody knows how to communicate with each other in person anymore because of all of this technology. So I have to agree with Gretchen. I, I don't like it. I want to protect you. With uh, originality. If you, if you were one of those people working at the checkout line, getting attacked by people, you know, you see that, you see all those kinds of videos like that. Wouldn't you rather be protected? Wouldn't you rather these people be attacking some kiosks rather than attacking real people? Oh, that's ridiculous. Frankly, they don't I, attack I, kiosks. I think I think these and kiosks. I get lots are, of fun are, are, are interacting much... with the checkout person. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing to your checkout people, Rico Lamite. Well, they try to when they try to double charge when they try to double charge me when they try to double charge me when they try to ask me for second ID like I like I ain't fucking like a million years old whatever like what do you mean a second ID all kinds of shit that's what you're white you're white you never get <laughs> asked for second what. ID I'll tell you, you never I'll get tell asked you. for that shit I'll, I'll tell you what I'll what, tell you so what what's wrong with your first ID we're gonna we a, have a lot of, apparently it doesn't look like me we we have a lot of stories to cover we're gonna check out of this conversation <laughs> and go to a commercial and be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. It's the industry's longest continuously operating retailer. West Hollywood's president of cannabis tourism, known to many for smoking the best weed in the world and being smoky vanilla's tabletop muse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming up, you know who it is. Jason, back. Oh, yeah. Here you go, Rico. There, there. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Oh, man, my story is definitely going to trigger some people today in case you're wondering, okay? Because all these people that like, like, like trees, oh, man, they're not going to like this one because purple weed could save California pot farms from a severe pathogen, they say. An estimated 90% of California cannabis farms are infected with a severe pathogen that can destroy the value of pot plants, leaving cannabis farmers with a worthless harvest. But a recent scientific breakthrough is offering a glimmer of hope for the big bluggered farmers. That's right. Scientists have discovered a type of purple-colored cannabis that appears to fight the widespread plant disease, which is called hop latent viroid, or HLVD. HLVD damages cannabis plants and significantly reduces their value by decreasing the amount of active compounds like THC that they produce. But two weeks ago, a group of scientists at Medical Genomics, a Massachusetts-based company, announced they had accidentally discovered that one of their cannabis plants appears to be potentially resistant to HLVD. The scientist also noticed that that plant turned purple as it was fighting the disease. Cannabis plants can occasionally turn from green to other colors like red, blue, or purple because of genetic or environmental factors. Purple plants have long been valued in the cannabis community with prizes, strains like Granddaddy Purple and Mendocino Purps and, of course, Purple Haze. But Kevin McKernan, the chief science officer for the medical genomics, announced his company's findings earlier this month at a conference in Florida. McKernan said that the plant was significantly more purple than a second plant and that had the same genetics but was not exposed to the viroid. In a quote, we don't know why this is happening. This could be an immune response, but we're not seeing this purple coloring as as heavily increased in the control that's not affect that's not infected kernan said a major threat to cannabis farms uh, zamir k punja a canadian professor of plant biology said this at the same conference that he considers hlvd to be a major threat to cannabis farms and he said his research has found that infected plants can reduce their thc yield by 40% causing severe economic damage to a farm it's extremely hard to get rid of the of the pathogen because HLVD spreads easily between plants sticking to tools and and circulating inside a a pot farm's water supply. Not only that, but once a plant is infected with HLVD, it makes the plant more susceptible to catching other diseases, a phenomenon that led 
Punja to dub HLVD the COVID of the cannabis world. Oh, man. The good news is HLVD does not pose any health risk to humans because it strictly affects plants. And Punja said he added that there is evidence that some varieties of cannabis are much more resistant to the effects of HLVD. There are plants or cultivate in a quote, there are plants or cultivators or chemovars that differ in their ability to withstand this viroid. Some can fight this thing off much better than others, Punja said. Punja's analysis, combined with recent discovery at Medical Genomics, began the question, could California farmers really be saved by purple weed? And McKernan says his company didn't originally realize that they had a plant with a unique response to HLVD. The scientists were intentionally infecting plants with HLVD to try to understand how disease changes infected plants. They rubbed the, the viroid directly on to cut leaves of the plant and establish method for infecting plants with diseases. But then they ran into a surprising problem. One of their specimens, a variety of cannabis they call Jamaican lion, would not infect, according to McKernan. The team repeatedly exposed the plant to HLVD over the course of six weeks, but the plant never tested positive for the virus. Finally, the scientists injected the viroid directly into the stem of the plant, but even then the disease appeared to only infect the plant's root and not any of the leaves. The team then noticed the infected plant's leaves and flowers were turning purple, but a second uh, uninfected version of the same plant was not changing color. The, they continued to test the plant for HLVD, but 57 out of 57 tests on purple plant tissue turned up negative. The only leaves that ever tested positive for the virus were green leaves on the lower part of the plant. It's not clear why the purple plant material is associated with fighting this disease. McKernan attributed the color change to, in quotes, jacked up production of anthyclonium. I murdered that. A N T H O C Y A N I N, a plant chemical that can turn cannabis purple. McKernan said it's worth investigating more purple plants to see if they're tolerant to HLVD because anthoclinacian production is already linked to fighting viroids. And in a quote, he says, there is literature that links anoclinactin production with the viroid infection, this, this in different uh, plants and with different viroids, but these anoclinations are a known immune response for plants, McKernan told SFGate in an email. And McKernan added that his company is running new experiments with their Jamaican lion plants to better understand how the variety fights HLVD and cannabis farmers are currently fighting HLVD with a combination of cleaning techniques and constant testing in the hope that they can remove infected plants and reduce the spread by clearing by cleaning their farms. But McKernan said at the conference that his company's findings that the cannabis farms will need to use new breeding technology to fight this disease and not rely on exclusively on cleaning agents. In a quote, you're not going to bleach your way out of this problem. You're going to have to breed your way out of this problem, McKernan said. Oh, man, purple weed to the rescue in a world where... All of the trap kings, all that they want is purple weed. What do y'all think about this? Uh, it's a shame that uh, Nicole Buffong isn't on here with us today. Oh, purple plant she magic. She provides some of her purple plant magic mm -hmm. here. So um, it's, it's crazy how quick that um, they came up with a cure to VD for plants, mm -hmm. for weed, man. I, I'm surprised that they chose to to call it the, the, the COVID for plants. I would have called it something else. What would you call it, Jason? Oh. I would have called it something else. The venereal disease, right? Yeah, I would have called it the HIV of cannabis diseases. It's more like the HPV. Whatever. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if your plants got the drip, <laughs> better it's, check it's, the it's, tip. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a drip. It just makes them turn colors. and You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> man. So, so if you smoke this, um, these infected plants, like what happens? I mean, they said it doesn't affect... Humans, it just makes your weed like less potent. Yeah, it just makes it so that you, it does affect humans because you're not able to sell this weed. So it affects your pocketbooks of the humans, not necessarily your uh, your internal system. You sure this isn't just a puff piece for Granddaddy Perp? Uh, I mean, it could be. You never know. But I don't. I don't know of any trappers that sponsor uh, sponsor purple weed reviews. I don't know, man. Uh, there, there could be some trappers out there that are molecular, molecular uh, biologists. We don't know, man. We just haven't uh, found them yet. Oh, jeez, you're a dreamer. 
Just saying, man. Mm-hmm. Or it could have been produced by AI. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think about this? What the hell are y'all talking about? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about HLVD, the hoploid Vlaton virus. We're, we're trying to save it. the, we're trying to save the world it. over here, Gretchen. Yeah. We're, is, we're is trying this, to save is the Is this getting stopped in, in testing? Do they like, you can't sell it? It's done at that point? Or is it just stunt the growth of the plant? It, it, it messes up the yield to where you're really not able to have a, like a, a real harvest. Like you're you, like anything that that has this in it, you're not going to have a, a fruitful harvest. You're going to get a very marginal price for the for for your product, and on, even if you can actually even sell it. Has Does it actually affect flower production, or is it just the potency of the? Flower? It affects the flower flower production. Has this affected? So you don't un- get flowers. I mean, you'll still you'll still get some flowers. You're not going to get like nice sexy nugs, and you know what I mean. Are they gonna be like oh, yeah. little, little? They're gonna be little, like little, little preemie little, little buds. Little, you know what I mean? Little mosquito bumps. Yeah, yeah. Little baby bumps. Yeah, little, <laughs> little lady lumps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out to Fergie. Shout mm-hmm. out. To- <laughs> yeah. Oh man. What do you think about this one, Rochelle? Well, no offense. Does do you think it's really even gonna matter? Because don't all you guys just lie on your COAs anyway about? We oh, don't. You guys, hold on. First you, of all, first of all, Gretchen, oh. I, t- I, guys, take oh. I take offense to that. I take I take offense to that because it's not us that lie on it. It's the labs that lie. All right. So get that okay, get that twist. Get that straight. Yeah, men lie. Women lie. Numbers don't. Yeah. Guess what? Guess what? All the labs lie. There's not a single lab that doesn't lie. Okay. Dexter's. You're telling me there's not one legit lab. In there's not. There's industry. not one single <laughs> legit lab that doesn't produce antiquated mm-hmm. test results. That's a luke. That's a lukewarm take right there. It's lukewarm. It wasn't quite hot. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Rochelle. What do you think about this one? Try to unmute myself. Um, I mean, I really respect Lester's reporting. Just want to say a shout out to Lester Black, who wrote that article. He's been covering this um, quite a bit lately, and yeah, I mean, there was someone in the comments who said this whole thing was a sham and this isn't really affecting as many plants as people say. But I trust Lester's reporting, so mm-hmm. I can't really speak to that. Daniel. Did it? I'm sorry. Did, where did it say how much it was uh, affecting, Jason? How many it, plants? It did. Ninety percent. Ninety percent. Nine zero, number. Gretchen. Nine zero. That's right. All that outdoor booth. Ninety percent of it. Mm-hmm. So not indoor at all. It only affects outdoors. What you're telling me? No, it affects both. But I just wanted to say. I just want to talk about your outdoor booth. So, so could this uh, this uh, HLVD be the antidote to booth? Oh no! You know what? Never mind. You guys, you, we're, we're, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it moving. We're gonna move right on to our spicy redheaded conservative Gretchen Gailey. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and loves to parade her dogs up and down the Capitol in obnoxious clothing, making them look like cannabis protesters outside of a cannabis protest outside of the Capitol. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Once again, Jason Beck, you're putting out. <laughs> able to find any good <laughs> cannabis dog clothes so if anyone's got them out there let me know i'm happy to dress up my babies uh send it this way uh my headline uh this morning's coming from marijuana moment fda and ftc send warning letters about copycat delta 8 thc products resembling popular food brands like doritos the fda and ftc have teamed up to send warning letters to six companies that the agencies say are unlawfully selling copycat Delta A THC products that are misleadingly packaged to mimic popular brands like Doritos, Cheetos, and Jolly Ranchers. The market for Delta A THC and other novel cannabinoids has rapidly expanded in recent years following the legalization of hemp and its derivatives under the 2018 Farm Bill. FDA and FTC have generally exercised discretion in taking enforcement action against businesses that are selling products containing substances like CBD or Delta-8, targeting those packaging or claims about medical benefits are especially misleading. These latest warning letters focus on two areas of federal law. First, they allege violations of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act because they contain the unapproved additive Delta-8 tetrahydrocannabinol. The officials then detail what they call copycat products that are packaged in ways that resemble popular brands that could appeal to children and lead to accidental consumption of the intoxicating cannabinoid. Children are more vulnerable than adults to the effects of THC, 
with many who have been sickened and even hospitalized after eating edibles containing it, according to the FDA Principal Deputy Commissioner Janet Woodcock. That is why we're issuing issuing warnings to several companies selling copycat food products containing Delta THC, which can be easily mistaken for popular foods that are appealing to children and can make it easy for young child to ingest very high doses without realizing it. The products we are warning against intentionally mimic well-known snack food brands by using similar brand names, logos, or pictures on packaging that consumers, especially children, may confuse with traditional snack foods. We're also concerned that adults could unintentionally take them or take a higher dose than expected and suffer serious consequences. This risk is especially dangerous for those who are driving, working, or have other responsibilities. The FDA remains committed to taking action against any company illegally selling regulated products that could pose a risk to public health. The companies that received the warning letters are Delta 8 Munchies, uh, Dr. Smoke LLC, Exclusive Hemp Farms, Oship, Nikit Wholesale LLC, and North Carolina Hemp Exchange, and the Haunted Vapor Room. FDA said it received reports of serious adverse events experienced by people who consume Delta-8 products, adding that it is also concerned that companies are producing Delta-8 THC in ways that could result in products with harmful contaminants. The FDA first sent a batch of warning letters regarding Delta-8 THC products last year, publicizing information about what it described as unsanctioned medical claims and the items. For this round, the FTC also weighed in, focusing on alleged violations related to copycat marketing. Marketing edible THC products that can be easily mistaken by children for regular food is reckless and illegal, Samuel Levine, director of the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection, said. Companies must ensure that their products are marked safely and responsibly, especially when it comes to protecting the well-being of children. The businesses that receive the letters must respond to both agencies within 15 days to either contest the claims or outline what they are doing to see sales of the specific products and get into compliance. Failure to promptly address the violations may result in legal action, including product seizure and or injunction, uh, according to the FDA. Uh, this goes on to talk a little bit more about good old the FDA and their complete inaction. Uh, number one, I got a couple of points here. The industry needs to stop doing this copycat bullshit marketing. Um, for once, I wholeheartedly agree with the FDA and the FTC. Because these Delta products are accessible, they are on store shelves that where children could, in theory, get them. Number two, why do we have to jump onto every other pe person's branding and marketing and just gets us in trouble? Look at the Skittles guys for, that we've been reporting on earlier this week. It's all bullshit. And frankly, the FDA needs to get in the effing game if they really want to protect Americans. What they're doing now, sending some letters, is some bullshit. FDA, come out with some fucking regulations already. Congress has told you to do it. Everyone is telling you to do it. What the fuck are you waiting for? This Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. <laughs> Damn, Gretchen, that's a lot of F-bombs. This gets you all spicy this is today. Yeah. I like that kind of yeah. thing. The FDA deserves some F-bombs. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, in all fairness, the FDA starts with an F. True. And then I was it, going it, for it alliteration. Ends, and it ends with a DA. See, mm -hmm. see that nuance? <laughs> you wouldn't get that from any of that chat GPT. That's right. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. I have a question. Is this more yes, of like a, a safety issue or a copyright issue that's at like the heart of this thing? I would say it's both. Uh, the FDA is taking the safety side. The FTC is taking the marketing side. Got Makes it. Sense. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I agree. It's lazy marketing. There's no reason for it. You know, sell your booth, not in a Doritos bag. Mm -hmm. it's, it's past time. And Delta 8, get back in line. What are you doing? Jump in the line. That never should have been able to happen. So. I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. I was just trying to show Jason trying to replicate this. I'm probably gonna do it in my incognito window here. Um, it's not just regular companies getting ripped off by these uh, knockoff products. Um, I just went on the page for the, the the first one, the Delta. I forget what it is. Um, I'll bring it up here in a second. But it has uh, it has a cookies logo on it too. Delta Munchies LLC. If you go to uh, Delta Munchies, yeah, yeah, it's like a cookies logo on it. So it's like real companies being uh, ripped off in the cannabis industry by these uh, companies too. They're just bold as fuck. These are these are not your uh, these are not your daddy's trappers that you're used to uh, dealing with. These are guys. These guys have like real companies set up on the internet, and um, they're easy to trace too. So I don't know about this, man. I don't know where to begin. Like these, are they snitching on themselves? Like, what's going to happen when they actually get to these companies 
do they even exist? Mm. Uh, You're always going to have knockoff brands. I mean, even with luxury bags and shoes and clothes and whatever the case may be, you got another company off there that's going to ride on the coattails of the success of another brand, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's going to happen. As a consumer, I don't care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, if anything, I think it's clever marketing by those companies to use that imagery to advance their business. And um, it, it, that's just the free market in the way that it is. So as far as other businesses like Doritos and Skittles or whatever, getting pissed about another company jacking, jacking their imagery to, um, you know, sell their products, then... Hey, take them to court, do it the legal way. But as far as the consumer is concerned, they don't care, man. It, never it, did, it, never anything will. Too, though, as far as the consumer is concerned, when mainstream news stations run reports on this and they show the Doritos bags and the Nerds bags, they're not saying that this is illegal product. They're usually just saying this is this is cannabis. This is the cannabis market. They're not distinguishing between the two to the general public. And I, I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. The, right about the, that. The makers of this stuff, like, like if... If you just like go down a little bit, now you don't have to go deep down the rabbit hole on this one. On the complaint, you go on FDA's website, you see the complaint, you see the name of the company. Uh, this, uh, as the name of the owner of the company, Radiant Huang, um, Delta Munchies LLC. This is downtown uh, Los Angeles, too, 1100 Hope Street. And he, he, I just mm-hmm. Googled this guy's name. He has a LinkedIn. <laughs> of course he does. Of course he does, because LinkedIn is for corporate trapping. Like this guy's like easy well, to find and it's like easily traceable to his company. Like like what kind of trapping is this shit? Like is this that guy an FDA uh plant? Like what's going on here, Jason? Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything on this level. Um and the makers of uh said knockoff products so easy to find. I mean, it's not hard well, to knock off these products. The problem with this Rico is that the peop- this isn't regulated. Exactly. Uh, so these are the same guys, frankly, in Union Square with their card tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's just doing it on a bigger level. They're going to do it uh, until they can get away with it, until they're shut down. They're going to make money while they can. Um, and it that's what we're going to see a, from it, a lot of folks until they step in. It just seems stupid to his me. Bullet, there's a, there's a digital trail. Quick money, Rico. It's, it's n- why? There's a then dig- he comes in and says, you guys didn't regulate this. Delta 8 is sort of legal, but I because you guys didn't work out the gray loopholes in the farm bill, so you can't bitch at me. He's making There's knockoff no Doritos. marketing standards. Uh, yeah, they, well, great. Doritos needs to take the time to sue them, like Wildstar is saying. Um, and are these folks going to take the time to do this shit? I'm saying this guy is operating totally in the gray, and that's how they're able to get away with this until someone actually puts some enforcement behind this and stops sending some bullshit letters and shuts this shit down. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not gonna shut nothing down. Not a damn thing. Not a chance. They're not gonna. They're not, not gonna do not that. A damn they don't want to do their jobs. The regulators don't want to do their job. That's just what it is. Well, and frankly, even if the regulators try to do their jobs, do they have the enforcement to go in and shut these places down? Doubtful. Um, I mean, I, I think they could. I think they could enlist local local enforcement to to help them out with this. And all they have to do is just cut them in on the proceeds that they seize when they go in there and shut them down. Get them. Oh cut. yeah, right. Like that ever happens? You're out your mind. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. it does happen all the time. Sharing the wealth. That's not how the federal government works, Jason. That, that is how it works. It I, I've, I've seizures, watched it happen. No, no, I've watched no, it numerous no, times no, with seizures, no, and I've no, ha- I've been no, seized no. many a times, Gretchen. So you can't argue with me on this. Hold on, I got one sit, for you. You're sitting there at the table where the hold the, on the local hold law on. enforcement told you what cut they got for showing up to Jason's shut you down. right. They told you that, and Gretchen is wrong. Oh my God! I love to play in the gray area of the truth every fucking day. Uh, it's, it's funny, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, Gretchen, Trapper Gretchen. So, mm-hmm. but um, our next correspondent is Reverend Austin, Texas, out the great purple state of Texas. Purple, purple. We're talking about purple today. He's also a host of a a show called Hidden the High Road, where he goes out there and shows that he is proof positive that the stars at night are still big and bright. Boom, 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 boom. Down in the heart of Texas. Stone Slade, what you got for us today, my man? No, bro. Where's the... Nothing? Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Rico. Excellent. I waited for that. My story today comes out of Denver, Colorado. 
Denver's cannabis landscape has undergone a remarkable transformation since 2012, alleviating concerns about crime and embracing a new era of adult legalization. Over the span of almost a decade, the Mile High, Mile High City has witnessed an impressive 200% decline in cannabis-related offenses, effectively dispelling fears associated with the legalization movement. The journey began with a decisive ballot initiative in 2012, granting approval for the adult use of cannabis. By 2014, Colorado established a well-defined regulatory framework to facilitate legal sales. Advocates of legalization promised a decrease in crime, the allocation of tax revenue to support public programs, and the emergence of a multi-billion dollar industry. As it turns out, these promises were more than just rhetoric. According to the annual cannabis report from the Denver Department of Excise and Licenses, cannabis-related crime has seen a significant drop since legalization. In 2014, the year, the first year uh, of legal cannabis sales, Denver reported 788 instances of cannabis-related crimes, both within and without and outside of the industry. Fast forward to the present, and that number has plummeted to 263 cases. In fact, cannabis-related crimes now account for less than 1% of Denver's overall reported crime, highlighting the substantial pro uh, progress made in curbing illegal activities. When I interviewed uh, Colorado Governor Jared Polis for the Denver episode of Hitting the High Road, he expressed his views on the positive impact of legalizing cannabis. He stated, it really helps drive the criminal, criminal element out of the cannabis business, emphasizing the role legalization plays in illicit operations. Governor Polis further added, it empowers entrepreneurs and legitimate business people rather than drug lords or gangs, highlighting the shift towards a more legitimate and responsible industry. Another significant statistic that compels the overall positive trend is the drastic reduction in DUIs and DUID arrests. In 2014, Denver recorded a staggering 2,872 arrests for driving under the influence. Uh, last year, that number reached a record low of 1,229, marking a significant milestone in the city's decade-long battle against impaired driving. However, it's important to note that, that accurately assessing someone's level of cannabis intoxication, intoxication remains a challenge. While 2022 witnessed a record number of positive roadside THC tests, it's worth mentioning that these tests alone do not provide a comprehensive measure of impaired driving caused by cannabis on Denver streets. Now, due to the complexities of determining cannabis intoxication, finding an accurate and reliable method of testing remains an ongoing concern. Gretchen's all for it. I'm against it. As Denver uh, <laughs> cannabis industry continues to evolve, shedding its previous <laughs> stigma, the city serves as a prime example of how responsible adult use legalization can effectively reduce crime, empower entrepreneurs, and foster a vibrant economy. The transformative power of cannabis legalization is evident, showcasing a jury of progress and societal change. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the High Nine News Hour. Look at that, man. Weed even solves the crime problems. Mm-hmm. It increases the uh, your investments on real estate. It lowers your crime, and it keeps your children safe. Smoke more weed. Smoke more weed. That's right. We need more Smoke cannabis more. businesses. But what we need to do is lower all these taxes so then we actually could open more cannabis businesses and make the streets safer. No taxes. Taxes theft. That's right. Taxes theft. I still think we should just throw all the outdoor weed into the ocean. But then it'll mutate, man, and it'll, 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 it'll gain a we'll turn uh, it into resistance. I'll take to, it. Uh, we'll, turn, we'll turn it into sea kelp. Ooh, you smoke you smoking on that Uh-huh. Uh-huh. For all the people out there that think that OG stands for ocean grown, this this all the outdoor weed would be just for you. That's a, that's a real draw right there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this, Gretchen? All this crime going down around cannabis? Yeah. What are all the what are all the parents of all the children gonna say about this? I, I have a zero problem with crime going down, Jason. I'm a big fan of crime going down. Uh, and I think that is the message that needs to be going out to all these communities that say no to cannabis in their backyard. And guess what? Uh, that when you embrace the legal markets, well, crime well, goes down. Well, safe banking has not been passed and crime is going down. Do you think um, there is still a need for safe banking? Of course, there's a need for safe banking, without a doubt. So there goes your straw man argument. Stop it. There goes your straw man argument. The only straw man going on over here, Rico, is whoever had that baggie of cocaine in the White House because uh, word on the streets is there was a straw also found with this baggie of cocaine. Hey, well, let's be inclusive. It's a straw person. It's, it's a straw, straw person. man. It's a straw it's man. Straw it's person. A straw it has man. not been confirmed as a man, woman, or we do not Guess know. Guess what? Well, man, there's man involved, and man, there's man involved. So it was a man. How about that? Well, mm -hmm. is he? Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep, keep it moving. Coming up next, that's right.
we have Rochelle going to join us today. She's the editor over at Green Media Reports, and she has an extensive Lego collection and loves to throw them at people when they don't agree with her. That's right. It is Rochelle Gordon. <laughs> Green, greenstate.com, Jason. Oh, Beck. shit. I'm sorry. Sorry. Greenstate.com. Make sure you check them out. Greenstate.com. I apologize. Sorry. Dude, you get it wrong every week. Hey, you know, at least Work I'm consistent, Gretchen. At least I'm consistent, okay? Consistently wrong, as we've all seen. <laughs> Thank you, Gretchen. Um, so this week, I am talking about the Psychedelic Science 2023 conference that was in Denver a couple weeks ago, presented by MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Uh, even though the event was a couple of weeks ago, I really took my time because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to say. Um, and I put up a piece today on Green State entitled Perceptions, Platforms, and Protecting Sacred Medicine, Musings on Psychedelic Science 2023. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's not that long, but it's long enough, but I'll paraphrase it for you really quick. For those of you who are not familiar, psychedelic science is a basically an Olympics of psychedelics. It only happens every four years. It brings together a true who's who of the psychedelic space. Um, you've got basically every superstar, quote unquote, in the game. You've got Michael Pollan, you've got Paul Stamets, you've got all these great folks, you've got researchers, you've got activists, you've got Burning Man people, you've got celebrities like Aaron Rodgers and Jaden Smith, all coming together to talk about psychedelics, talk about the latest uh, breakthroughs and studies, um, all kinds of things, lots of parties. It's, it's huge. It was a great time. Um, it was really, really interesting to see what's been going on the last few years, to hear from all these great minds, but a lot of debate was brought up too. Um, and that was kind of the difficult part for me because on the one hand, I am super, super stoked about what these compounds can do for people, uh, especially folks who are battling with mental health uh, conditions. Um, but as we move toward a corporatization of some of these more sacred medicines, you know, psilocybin, peyote, things like that, um, we're in this weird intersection, right? It's like, how can we respect and honor the cultural traditions that brought up these medicines and also respect the fact that we live in a corporate, uh, you know, society and that's how these things need to go, right? There's regulations that need to be followed. We have to go through the proper channels if you want to get these things regulated uh, in our country. And I worry about accessibility and things of that nature. You know, the conference was expensive. There's no doubt about that. I believe the cheapest ticket was $800. A business pass was $1,800. MAPS did make a number of scholarships available uh, for people who needed them. But, you know, you factor in the travel, everything that goes into it, it's a lot of money. And so it was difficult for people to, to get there. Um, but there were opportunities, ample opportunities um, for people to show up. There were a lot of different voices that were heard, including those that were critical of maps. Um, so they tried to make space, um, make space for indigenous voices. But what concerned me more than anything, for at least for a time, was the public perception of the of the event. You know, I got a lot of DMs from people who sent me articles about Aaron Rodgers speaking. Um, that was the main mainstream media story. Like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is coming out and talking about his ayahuasca trip, talking about, you know, puking and shitting. And I'm like, that's what we're going to talk about. Like, that's what the media is going to focus on is this as opposed to everything else going on with this debate. And part of me wondered, you know, is it a distraction? Are these the right people who are speaking for our movement? Or is any press good press? If people are talking about it, they're talking about it. And that's a positive. So looking back at the event, there were a lot of debates brought up and I'm not really sure where we're going to go from here. There's a lot of questions that still need to be answered within this space. You know, how can we reconcile all of these things? And can we live in a world where we have a respect for sacred cultures, but also have our capitalist uh, FDA run corporate psychedelic medicine? Can those two worlds peacefully coexist and can the Venn diagram come together? Um, 
that's what I'm wondering as I left this conference, and I'm sure I'm not the only ones. Um, there was a protest that erupted. I mentioned that in the article. Um, you can find videos on YouTube. I was actually not there for the protest, but I saw many videos. Um, people representing a group called the Native Coalition, who actually spoke the day before, interrupted MAPS founder Rick Doblin during the closing keynote. Uh, after pressure from the audience uh, to let the people speak, he did bring them on stage for a short time. Um, and many of them challenged Rick Doblin and MAPS, um, saying that they are tokenizing indigenous cultures, that they didn't do enough to support uh, community elders in their journey, and that they're not doing enough to make sure that all voices are heard. So MAPS uh, put out a statement they sent over to me. They said they obviously understand the challenges that types these types of events can bring up specifically around accessibility the cost uh, but that they are doing everything that they can to include as many voices as possible and that they are actually going to be putting out a report about the conference that will among other things highlight some of the ways that they can do better and hopefully in a few years when the psychedelic science conference reconvenes uh, some of these uh, questions will hopefully be answered so Rochelle Gordon, editor of greenstate.com, I'm curious what everybody else thinks about the intersection of corporate culture and sacred medicine in the psychedelic space. Oh man, I have a feeling that uh, corporate psychedelics are just going to ruin it like corporate corporatization has ruined cannabis. Yeah, psychedelics man. is next on the chopping block. It's just like, uh, what was that guy named that created Napster? Uh, Justin Timberlake? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> Anyways, the guy that created Napster is the same guy that, that funded Prop 64 and killed the weed game. And so I imagine that, that we're going to see something very, very similar happen with psychedelics and Rick Doblin's at the helm. Yes, Sean Parker. Yes, thank you, Gretchen. Great job. Great job. Justin Timberlake, yeah, Timberlake played him played in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. I'm glad you caught that. Uh, <laughs> do you really, and truly, do you really, I think, as psychedelics are going to go the way of big pharma. 100% uh, they are already. But, that, but that's my point, well, is that, I, I, that kills the whole industry. And it, 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 oppresses, it, I, I, it oppresses a sacred plant. And, and that's where these protests are coming from because it's a limited supply of that. And, and their supply is being exploited. And it's about to be taken over by big pharma. So I'm glad that um, they did give a chance for the... Uh, indigenous people to speak on this, but this has been an issue since the psychedelic movement started to really gain legs um, a few years ago. They, um, um, big, big, the national chapter of Decriminalize, Decriminalize America, was silencing the, the protests from Native people. And now that uh, we're at, what was it, like stage four, stage five of the movement, oh, they're finally giving them a chance to speak. This is cannabis uh, uh, expedited. I see a lot of parallels. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I feel like oh, that with the difference with cannabis and psychedelics is that the psychedelic space is moving a lot faster because it's on a healthcare track. You know, everyone kind of agrees that that's how it's going to have to play out. There's never really a conversation about recreational mushrooms, right? right. It's all going to be this regulated therapy, you know, physician-assisted, ketamine, things like that. And so I think things are moving a lot faster because there isn't that internal debate. I think I think the only reason it's well, moving factor is because you can single compound uh, the, these things, and that's just a big win for big pharma because that's all that they want is single compounds. And it's not a schedule one. Two is better than one. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just I, I well I also think it's moving faster because it doesn't have the stigma attached to it that cannabis has uh, for years to overcome. Yeah, because black um, people ain't protesting. Because... No, Jesus. What you think it is exactly? Wrong? Thank okay. you for the eye roll, Gretchen. Yeah, you think you think? Oh, of course, the conservatives. Thanks for the eye roll, yeah. Gretchen. Gre Gretchen, what were you going to say? Yeah, actually, you don't have Gretchen. you don't have the I war on drugs. I don't fucking remember. I've been cut off so many times during this uh, story, so I the hell with it. Oh, Where's Wildstar? I need some Wildstar in my life. <laughs> All right, death by a million let's, cut off. Let's let's let's, 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 let's <laughs> thank you so much for for covering that, Rochelle. We really really appreciate that. Yes. Um, and and so. we do want to um make a quick note before you do enter introduce Nicholas Wildstar Rico. We do want to wish him a happy voyage as he is going to be starting a new position very soon. This is going to be his last week with us for, for a number of months until he's able to come back. Um, and so we do want to wish him at much success on his, yes. new, on his new career path going forward and anything that we can do to help out. Don't hesitate to reach out. Absolutely, man. And um, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce one more time 
this Fresno-based raptivist, the strong, sane voice that black conservatives need, and Joe Biden liberals fear the most. He's here to promote freedom, bring balance, and offer perspective from the black side of liberty. This morning, Nicholas Wildstar. Thank you guys. Thank you for that intro. And thank you so much for having me here on this platform with you guys. It's been a, a pleasure and an honor to uh, sit down and discuss these topics with you each week and hopefully advance the cause out there with the rest of the community and they can see the value in what we are presenting here and um, all of this information about how we could put it to use because in what should be a very concerning move to every cannabis connoisseur Santa Barbara County's Board of Supervisors has given preliminary approval to a law that could have disastrous consequences for cannabis businesses Santa Barbara County's Board of Supervisors has given preliminary approval to a law that could have disastrous consequences, again, for the cannabis businesses. Under this new measure, any cannabis company that falls more than 30 days behind on a tax payment could face severe repercussions, including a complete shutdown of their operations. This approach has been likened to a death penalty for these businesses with no room for exceptions or leniency. Although the amendment received unanimous support during the first reading on June 27th, it still requires a second vote before becoming law later this month. Two board members expressed reservations about the amendment's harsh penalties, arguing that it deviates from standard tax collection practices. Supervisor Steve Lavagnino voiced his concern, stating that the county has gone from minor penalties to extreme measures. He suggested that a more reasonable solution should be sought, one that strikes a balance between enforcement and fairness. However, Lavagnino ultimately voted in favor of the measure after it was clarified the cannabis companies would have a 30-day grace period to settle their county taxes. For instance, if a tax bill is due on January 1st, cannabis companies would have until January 30th to make that payment. Failure to comply by February 1st would result in the loss of their license. Santa Barbara County boasts one of the cannabis largest cannabis farming industries, rivaling even Humboldt County in terms of overall cannabis production. However, tax payments have become a pressing issue for the entire state's cannabis sector. Many companies throughout the supply chain are grappling with substantial debt and numerous cannabis stores missed a crucial tax deadline for state taxes this year. To address this problem, Santa Barbara County charges cannabis cultivators a 4% tax on their business revenue, payable on a quarterly basis. Unfortunately, the county has encountered difficulties in collecting taxes from these businesses. According to Brittany Oderman, the deputy county executive officer, the current county law permits pot farms to indefinitely postpone their quarterly tax payments, resulting in some farmers paying their taxes nearly a year late. Uh, to rectify this issue, the proposed law aims to swiftly revoke a, a business license if a cannabis company is more than 30 days overdue on a quarterly tax bill. Oderman emphasized that there would be no exceptions to this rule, even for businesses in good standing. Supervisor Das Williams, despite voting in favor of the measure, expressed concerns during the meeting that the severe penalties for late payments would likely force most companies out of business. He pointed out that such stringent standards are not applied in any other industry and suggested if everyone adhered to this approach, many people would risk losing their jobs. The final vote on the amendment is scheduled for next week, and if approved, it will take effect on August 10th. This is Nick Wildstar, a.k.a. The Governor, reporting for the High 9 News Hour. For the last time, until next time, speak now or forever hold your peace. Oh man, the death penalty mm -hmm. for cannabis businesses. Taxation now, is theft. I told y'all. Hey, I, we we know that taxation is theft. We're all the way with you, Nicholas. Now, question. So, so, so th this is just a proposed. So they still have to have their first and their second reading in in regards to this, right before it can go into effect. No, it passed the first reading. It passed the, the first one. If it is passed at the end of the month, goes and it becomes law, and that takes effect August tenth. 
So, and this is strictly for $10,000 in taxes and they can't pay that before the end of the month, they're going to lose their license and eventually go out of business. Well, yeah, because as soon as they lose their local license, which is what they would be able to take away, then the state will revoke their state license and then therefore they will be out of business. So the media all for not paying the man their cut, right? Mm-hmm. That's really what this is all about. Let's, let's exactly. Be all right. So, so Santa Barbara home prices were down 17% last year, bringing it to a median price for your average home in Santa Barbara to $1.5 million. I'm surprised it's taken this long for people to tax people out of the business in Santa Barbara County. Mm-hmm. I mean, limousine liberals running that. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that this was this was put together by all the strawberry farmers because all the strawberry farmers and the wine guys are all up in arms about all the cannabis farms out there in this area. So I would be willing to get that this is because of that. You think so? Mm-hmm. Santa Barbara, isn't that where Glass House is? Are they going to be yep. now for sure? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of people I there. See what you did there, Rochelle. Yeah, see what you did mm-hmm. there, Rochelle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, exactly. Anybody else want to talk, uh, talk about Glasshouse right now? I mean, I don't think I think Glasshouse is going to be fine to be able to pay their bills. I worry about other companies that aren't doing as well or have as That's much notoriety um, that that wouldn't be able to raise appropriate funds to make sure that their bills are paid on time. Well, yeah. They always say they want to help the little guy, but this, of course, is going to kill the small businesses you mm-hmm. know, that are have been hobbling along this entire time trying to make ends meet. Right. So, Instead of anything, it's a way to further that divide between the haves and has not. Mm-hmm. Taxation has been probably the, the biggest Achilles heel for the industry up to this date. So um, instead of punishing the, these businesses, why not offer them tax amnesty? That's what I would have done if I would have yeah. gotten elected governor. That's right. Don't forgive me next time around, y'all. Hey, hey. You, hey, you, hey, I can say it now, man. I voted for you, governor. I voted. Oh, I, I voted for. I voted for the governor, and I was very, very upset uh, when you didn't make it to the next level there because, uh, you know, the game is rigged. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all those unions out here in California. The game is rigged, man. Mm-hmm. And if uh, if Governor Wildstar had made it into office. Things would have been so very different, man. But um, you know that there's a, there's a spot for you against individual one. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. It's a bit too late to jump in a presidential race, but uh, the next governor's race in California is in 2026. Uh, so, you know, we got a little bit of time to make some moves and Rico, I appreciate everything you've done to give me an opportunity to be heard by more people. Um, ever since we met, you've been a big advocate for me and, you know, for Liberty, for all of the people out there to think, you know, uh, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, whatever the case may be, we're free thinking people here in mm-hmm. California. Yes, we want we to get away from the whole dualistic political system that's divided us you know so thank you again rico for being uh, a pioneer in the industry as well as jason you know what i'm saying all of you guys for just um again giving me an opportunity to speak and be heard by more people and inviting me in i love you all as much as i love cannabis believe that (laughs) it's been a long long time coming but thank you all out there for tuning in with us for yet another episode of high at nine news you can catch us weekdays 9 a.m pacific high noon on the east coast big shout out to our live audience members and online supporters tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines that you tell us matter most because we're all democratic and shit our tenured industry correspondent team tuning in from all over and bringing as much needed variety perspective and adding your vetted opinions to the conversation our production team the wonderful jaja simone um the vortex uh god (laughs) cloud Cloud media partners and jaja simone over there holding us down on other platforms too all of our sponsors keeping our av struggles in check and to the haters out there i got my hater proof vest on today today's the greatest day of all it is july 6th 2023 my birthday i hope you all had enough to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. My name is Rico Lamy, the dopest dad on the street. Remember, when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. But um, for his last appearance on our show today, Governor Wildstar.
Take us out, my man. Hey, happy birthday to you, Rico. <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Rico. You're just a little bit older today. Hey, just a little bit older. My heart's a little bit colder. Yeah, I bet. <laughs>